Hello and welcome to Radio IAGP. My name is Implausibly Josh. This is episode 33 and let's get into it. I haven't been playing many new video games. Played a ton of Jackbox recently. Those games still kick a ton of ass and it's a ton of fun. Played a little bit of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 online. That game also is very fun and very good. I really like the way the online is done. I'm very bad at Tony Hawk and it really shows when I play on online with other people, but I'm having a ton of fun and that's what matters. And even some of the games, game modes, I'm not in last place. For instance, there is this really cool one named Graffiti where you basically will color a spot, be it a rail or a half pipe or something that you can trick off of, and you will change it to your color or tag it when you have the highest score combo using that piece. So if you do a combo that uses a half pipe for 10,000 points, then someone else comes by and has a combo that uses that same half pipe in any method or any way, touching it for 11,000 points, they will then take over that that piece of the map. And it's really cool. A little kind of bit like a Splatfest, or not Splatfest, whatever the main mode is in Splatoon. It's like that, and it's very cool, it's very fun. It also pays to know where some of the interesting spots are. For instance, the school level in Tony Hawk 1 has a huge area on a roof that you can get to that in one game mode, or one match I was playing, I was the only one that went up there. So the entire roof of that area was covered in my color, and then I could, and by the time people were like, realizing that I was getting closer and closer to first place. It was too late. They couldn't have done anything about it. Didn't win. I got second place in that one, but I, it was still pretty neck and neck at one point, which was really fun. But that's it for games that I've been playing. Let's go ahead and go into questions. If you have a question, you can send them into radioiagp at gmail.com. It is the easiest way to get in contact with us. I read every email. Send them in. I like reading. Our first email is, what's up, you glorious person? It's me, Brian. Got a question for you. Hypothetically, great grandpa Nintendo calls. Hi, it's me, old Papap Nintendo, who runs that Nintendo company. Saw your Pokemon Crystal video. That was great. Pseudobudo was a calculated choice. Because of your expertise with Pokemon, I want you to get rid of three Pokemon. We're going to get a big truck, put them all in there, and take them to a farm upstate where they'll play with all their friends somewhere near Lavender Town. It'll be fine. Don't worry. What three Pokemon do you pick? Note, this is three Pokemon, not three evolutionary lines. If you say, I don't like that Charmeleon fellow, then it's gone, but Charmander and Charizard remain. If you want to pick the right answer and get rid of every trace of Charizard, you're... Three Pokemon will be Charmander, Charmeleon, and Charizard. Thanks. Man, this is an involved question. Oh, oh boy. Okay, so I think I I thought about this before starting the episode. I promise. One of them I would get rid of is Voltorb, mostly because I think Electrode works better like a Magmar or a Electabuzz. Well, before they got baby forms, but in that Gen 1, you think about like having a an Electrode, an Electabuzz, and a Magmar, all of these like single Pokemon, no evolutions. I think that would work. I think there's something very cool about that. And I like the idea of this Pokemon that looks 
like a Pokeball, but not quite. Looks a little incorrect. It's way too big to be a Pokeball. That's good, just in general. And then it might be a little cheating, but I I would get rid of Alolan, Rattata, and Raticate because I think a lot of the Alolan forms are really good, but those are just not. It's They're not very interesting Pokemon. They don't make a ton of sense in terms of their Alolan forms. And I feel like I'm also going to take this to mean that they were taken away from where they appeared as in this isn't a retroactive thing this is a i'm playing time machine god and i'm going back in time and saying you know what we don't need to make voltorb we should make something else and that's all it takes for them to make a different pokemon it's not that we're losing pokemon on the whole as numbers we're going back in time and saying these pokemon have never existed that's what i'm taking this to mean and i think that you take away those two alolan forms you get two different potentially better alolan forms or i think at the very least no matter what pokemons you choose pokemons whatever whatever pokemon you choose to have an alolan form for from gen one there's so many better options even if you go for another pokemon that is in a similar spot in people's collectives to rattata and the and the rattata line like zubat i think if you did an alolan zubat it would be better or more interesting in theory obviously in, in, in this question, I'll get to choose what replaces these Pokemon, but I think that you take away the boring ones, and I think those are the most boring. Voltorb's just a Pokeball with eyes. I, I do like Voltorb, but I also know it's a kind of boring-looking Pokemon, and I think Electrode is more interesting of the two. Get rid of Voltorb. Lolan, Rotata, and Raticate, get them out of there. They're just boring. They're just barely recolors. At least a Lolan Meowth had a completely different look to it and so did alolan i'm sorry not alolan galarian meowth like there are other options there's you can do better with giving regional variants to gen 1 pokemon and they didn't in that case so that's that's what that's my choice i'm sticking with it all right our next email hi radio iagp that new zendikar set is coming out i know you're a fan of magic so i was wondering what you thought about it so what do you think of Zendikar Rising? Are you going to get some cards from your only fan who also plays Magic? Uh, thank you, the only fan who also plays Magic. Um, I don't know. Zendikar is interesting. I think that I might get a bundle if they're going to do one for that set. I'm assuming they are. I haven't actually looked into it. But last set of physical cards I got was a bundle. So it's some lands, some showcase lands, some one foil art card that you're assured to get it's like one that's in every single package it's one specific card and i think that was it i think that's all you really get oh and then 10 booster packs and i think that was cool you know it, it, you get a good variety of cards hopefully you hopefully get some cool cards out of that and i think that it will help me specifically because i'm really currently interested in playing popper and commander so i don't need play sets of cards i'm not looking for singles i'm not looking for anything in particular i'm looking to like jumpstart my creativity and by having the cards in hand that helps a ton like none of these cards are getting resold by me i'm just keeping them in the box they come in and that's it i'm gonna have my fun with them and maybe try and make like a like a pauper deck out of them or slot them into commander decks i already have because i have i have three pre-constructed commander decks so i have some options in terms of 
inserting the cards that I have from Core 2021 into these decks, and they would work pretty well. With Zendikar, there's a handful of cool things. I like the idea of the party system. It seems like they maybe introduced it too early, if that makes sense. Now, I'm not someone who follows the Magic the Gathering lore. I'm pretty much completely and totally out of it when it comes to the lore. I don't know anything about it. I wouldn't know where to start. And while it's all very interesting and cool, it's not something that guides any of my purchases. So all that being said, I don't know anything about Zendikar, but I do know that they're supposed to be making a explicit Dungeons and Dragons crossover set in, I guess, three sets from now, because it's four sets between every core set, and it looks like the D&D set is going to be a core set. So there's going to be another core set. That core set seems to be the Dungeons and Dragons set. That's going to be about Forgotten Realms. Now, the party system, if you are not aware, is a system that is introduced in Zendikar Rising, where there are a handful of cards that care about basically having the quintessential D&D party, the warrior, the wizard, the cleric, and the rogue. Warrior being, I guess, like a fighter or something, and they don't use fighter in it, but you get what I'm saying. So you have a party, which would be one of each of those, and if you have them on the field, there are other cards that care about that. So I don't know all the spoilers. Maybe this is one, but I'm going to make up one for the sake of this explanation. So let's say that there's an enchantment that exists in this set, and it says, like, for every member of the party, every member of a party that exists in the battlefield, add plus one to every creature on your side of the field or something like that, right? Like it's something where if you have one of each, you will be benefited in some way in the gameplay. To me, that makes sense to have that be part of the Dungeons and Dragons set. You know, it doesn't, to me, make a ton of sense to have it be part of the Zendikar set because as far as I'm aware, Zendikar doesn't care about adventuring the way that a D&D set would. Like Dungeons and Dragons is all about adventuring and party mechanics and groups and stuff like that, that it makes sense to only, to, it makes sense to put it in there. It doesn't make the sense to put it in anywhere sooner. However, it seems like the Dungeons and Dragons set is going to be one of these core sets. And it seems like the philosophy of the core set is, here's a good jumping on point. If you play with these cards, you are going to have mechanics that are consistent in magic. The mechanics that we have decided are going to be there in Magic the Gathering for a long time, not just unique to one set. Uh, for instance, the there was a recent set called Ikoria. I don't remember what like the subtitle of it was, but the mechanic of Ikoria was mutating. So what you would do is you would basically stack cards on top of each other. They would all smash together into one extra large card. So you would keep the, what was it? You would keep the name line of your card. So let's say it was, uh, this is, I think what I remember, I've really only played it in arena, so I, I might be getting this wrong. But the idea was like, let's say you had a card that was a cat card of some sort, and it was a creature, it was a cat, it had rules text on it that said, um, this creature provides plus one plus one to every other creature on the field for every other cat that is on the field, let's say. I don't know. Well, you could mutate it with another card. Let's say it was a better card. 
had better power, had better toughness. And you could basically put that new card by paying its mana cost on top of it. And now, so now it would have this new name of this new card that's mutated, but it would also have all of the other characteristics of the cards underneath it. So if you basically put that new mutated card on top of the card you just had and just use it to cover up the art, nothing else, it would basically be this extra long card that had a bunch of extra stuff. So not only would it have all the mutate properties, so let's say if every time it mutates, it adds, it does damage to your opponent or something, so you do damage there. Well, then it also is still a cat, and it still does the plus one, plus one, it still does all this other stuff. But that's not a mechanic that exists anywhere else outside of magic outside of that set so when they did this core set this most recent one core 2021 they didn't include mutate because it was kind of a one-off mechanic maybe people would like it and they would play with it more maybe they don't they wouldn't play with it more after that but it's not this i don't know what they call it evergreen i think but it's not this like consistent mechanic it's not like it's just not like one of the core mechanics of magic the gathering that they want to encourage gameplay around and think of as like the quintessential magic experience all that being said if this dungeons and dragons thing is that core set they don't normally introduce new mechanics there so they'd have to introduce party mechanics sooner rather than later but at the same time it really only makes flavor sense to have the party mechanics introduced in the dungeons and dragons set but it seems like that dungeons and dragons set is taking place of a different thing of a different set that doesn't introduce mechanics it's weird i don't know I, I'm kind of interested. It seems neat. It seems like there are some cool cards. Like, as far as I can tell, no set for as long as I've been interested in Magic the Gathering and regularly playing on Arena and stuff like that. There's no set that seems like it has entirely garbage, unplayable, not interesting cards. Like, even if you don't like Mutate, I think it's interesting. Even if I'm not good at the mechanic and I'm not necessarily making good plays with the Mutate mechanic and I'm not 100% certain if it was ever, like, used with regularity in the competitive scene. I don't care about that. I'm playing friendly magic with my family and friends and online, and, like, I don't care if this stuff isn't competitive because that's not what, how I'm playing this game. I'm playing this game because I like the game, and I like playing it. You know what I mean? So I think I'll probably end up getting a bundle, depending on how inexpensive they are, and if I can get them through Amazon because... I can't trust packages that don't come through Amazon to my apartment. It's a long story, but basically Amazon seems to be the only place that like delivers to my apartment without issue. So when I do order from places that are, you know, let's say use the USPS, for instance, I'd have to have them delivered to a family member's house. And with everything going on, that seems like a bad idea, personally. So yes, I will likely get a a bundle of Zendikar Rising. I'm probably going to play it in Magic the Gathering Arena at some point, but I'm not like, nothing in there is like super grabbing me. It's nothing's super interesting to me. It's just like, oh, there are new cards to play with. That sounds really cool. I'm, I'm interested to see if there are more, I don't know when they do their pre-constructed deck stuff, because I'd be interested to see what those look like. What like, what does a $20 deck from from Wizards of the Coast look like for that set? Like, what are they putting together? That 
that seems the most interesting to me. I think a commander set. I don't know when the next set of pre-constructed commanders are, but that's mostly what I'm looking forward to is stuff like that. You know, I'll get a bundle because it helps me kind of put some direction to some ideas that I might have in terms of deck building for the specific formats that I like to play. But other than that, I'm not like invested in playing paper magic sealed or draft events because I'm not doing that in person. And so everything else is just like, what can I put together to play easily in an online setting? Which reminds me, I need to check out that. What's that? There's like this online thing for people to play Magic the Gathering with. And it seems really cool. I might I might give that a shot sometime. I don't necessarily like the idea of playing with random people, though. I'd much rather just like see if anyone I know would like to play Paper Magic online through that tool. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Let's get to the next question. Here is another one from Brian, and it says, Greetings, it's me, Brian. What's the next hot job simulator title that the world needs? I think Pest Exterminator Simulator is much needed in this world, and I refuse to explain why. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Brian, for the question. Something I've been wanting for a while now that I haven't seen anywhere that's done in a, let's call it, polished way is a, like, barista simulator, I guess would be the best way to put it. Like, I think running your own coffee shop would be really nice, but there's a lot of experiences to that that I think aren't looked into enough. Like, you should be able to make your own drinks. What you do with that is you are, maybe you unlock the ingredients and base recipes potentially but like if you know how to make a uh, this is speaking from someone who used to work at a chain coffee place but if you know how to make a latte then you know how to make a bunch of drinks that require steamed milk for instance if you know how to make a vanilla latte you know how to make a bunch of drinks that have you know pumps of syrup in them right so i think that the thing would be like coming up with new coffee drinks at seasonal times of the year so that people want to come in and try the new stuff instead of like oh you learned how to do a mocha it's like if i knew how to do vanilla latte i knew how to do a mocha mocha is just a chocolate or a mocha is just a chocolate latte you know like maybe with whipped cream if you want that but like those type of games any type of game that like simulates a job or an industry i think needs to be able to be a bit more free form with it if that makes sense you should be thinking of this stuff less like like a civilization type game you know what i mean like the technology in a civ tree is always like first comes this then comes this then comes this which i think makes sense in some contexts right like you can't learn how to do i don't know smartphones before you invent the microchip i guess but like that's when you're playing in a game that's more freeform, I think that those are things that you need to put out of your your head so that you can think more, like, weird with it, right? Like, that's kind of the whole thing is, like, you want to get goofy with it. You want to you want to invent microchips in the 1800s or something, like, wild like that, you know? Like, that's... Apply that same basic principle to any type of job simulator game, but I think a coffee shop one would work really well. And then coffee shops are never just coffee shops, right? So you are maybe not selling Wi-Fi, but you're offering Wi-Fi. Maybe you offer something different. Internet cafes exist. Some of them provide coffee and not just like, oh, here's a can of Starbucks, but like, oh, here's like some actual coffee. Some of them are bookstores on top of being a, a, 
a coffee place, you know, like it would need to be able to do the coffee part the best, but then it also it would need to have a lot of weird flourishes so that you can do a bunch of other goofy nonsense if you'd like. Anyways, that's my thought on this. Thank you so much for your email. And with that, I think we're going to call this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, send them into radioiagp at gmail.com. We listen to, or listen to, we read all of them. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at implausiblyj. You can follow the brand Implausibly Average at Implausibly A. Follow us on YouTube. Just type in Implausibly Average. This week, we have a ton of videos going up. Tomorrow, Tuesday, we are going to be playing Crusader Kings 3. Wednesday, we should have another Gentle Carnage. Thursday, we should have more Crusader Kings 3. And Friday, we should be continuing our Pokemon Crystal Randomizer. So... If any of that sounds interesting to you, please go check that out on YouTube. Thanks again so much for listening. I'll see you all next time. Later. Ready for Pokemon Live at the Fox Theater. Now you can be there as all your favorite characters come to life in this on-stage musical adventure. It's the only place to see a brand new Pokemon with amazing powers. You can meet Brock, Misty, Ash, and of course, Pikachu as the action hits the stage at the Fox Theater. Want to catch them all? Gotta catch it live. Pokemon Live. Pokemon Live.